Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear us right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we are going to break down Kentucky's win over Winthrop. We are going to talk some basketball recruiting and in that, it, things are going to get a little bit weird. And I, I predict at this moment, Kyle might get a tad bit heated. So, But first, we're going to start with the game. Uh, Kyle, Kentucky defeated Winthrop relatively easy, 87-74. to It got a little close at the end because Kentucky's three-point defense. And I think we should probably just start there. That's the biggest area of concern for, I think, all UK fans. Kentucky is giving a ridiculous... Kentucky is giving up a ridiculous percentage from the three-point arc, and it's happened against all the teams they've played so far. Yeah, it's not good. 19 made threes against VMI, now 14 um, against uh, Winthrop, 12, I think, against Duke, which, by the way, the invincible Duke, as we're recording this, is not is fresh off its first loss of the season, so not, uh, not an unbeatable team, just a team that uh, curb-stomped Kentucky. Uh, and a lot of that was a lot of that was like not the the overall three point picture, but the beginning of the game three point barrage. I think that took Kentucky totally out of the game plan in the opener, you know. But that's Duke, and they're really really good and have a bunch of pros. When VMI and Winthrop do it to you, uh, that's that's ex- execution type issues. Um, and you know, I, I have a piece I'm working on. I'm not sure what day it'll publish at the Athletic, but uh, I had already gone through and broken down all 19. VMI makes and kind of diagnosing what went wrong uh, on each of them. And now I'm going to have to uh, do the same with this game, with the Winthrop game. And and hopefully when I'm done with that, I'll have 33 reasons why Kentucky (laughs) gave up uh, three-pointers. Now, some of them uh, are just simply guys got off crazy shots, like Bubba Parham. Um, But, you know, it's interesting in real time, my inclination was this is what happens. Teams come into rough and they go crazy and one guy goes crazy and hits a bunch of crazy shots and what can you do? But it wasn't that much of that. You know, there were like three or four uh, Bubba Parham shots that were just nuts and from crazy distance and you just kind of tip your cap to them. But there were, you know, 15 or 16 other made threes that were really about Kentucky and, and Kentucky's uh, failure to defend. And, and a lot of it had to do with, um, you know, in both these games, um, teams playing, the teams playing four out, one in, or five out, really uh, spacing the floor, pulling everybody out away from the basket, uh, open up the lane to drive, and then you drive and kick to one of the other guys that's on the perimeter. Uh, they were they were setting high ball screens uh, out at the top of the key or on the wings, uh, doing dribble handoffs and into, into screens and uh, either trying to get a drive and kick or the big man who would set that they were always often – Often, if not always, uh, the big man was setting that screen to initiate everything and then sometimes popping. Uh, and, and Kentucky was, for a number of reasons, screwing that up, uh, you know, <laughs> whether it was going over the screen when they needed to go under or going under when they should have gone over, edging and not really doing it properly or leaving, uh, leaving the screener who's, out, who's popped on the three-point line and, and you have two defenders on the driver. 
And that's, you know, that's the easiest thing in the world. There were tons of those. And there were, there were some of those again today. Cal Perry mentioned, you know, giving up a ton of threes. I think he said five, maybe threes uh, to the, to the center basically uh, today against Winthrop. And so there was a bunch of that. And it's a bunch of young guys who are, who struggle to, to kind of reorient themselves when there's a scramble, who struggle to uh, handle uh, ball screens, you know, how, how they should approach them, how to fight through them or work around them, how to stop penetration, how to, you know, cut people off from getting into the lane because when they do that and they're playing spaced out, there's at least one and there are oftentimes two guys and usually they were in corners wide open, you know, just who had been completely abandoned because uh, guys were uh, coming over to help on a guy who'd driven unimpeded into the lane and they left their man alone in the corner, and there you go, wide open three. So there's a bunch of that. I mean, these two teams played really similar, these last two. And I talked to the Winthrop coach uh, after he stepped off the podium for a little bit, just like, what do they do about this as you're as you're looking at how Calipari is trying to fix it? And one of the things he said is that they're going to struggle with that, with teams that play that style because their big guys just aren't really equipped uh, to do that, um, or at least they haven't shown it so far. Nick Richards was lost a few times, E.J. Montgomery – it's another reason I advocate for them going to some small ball lineups more often. Uh, I think it helps them offensively, but I also think when your teams are going to try to bomb you out of the building on threes, um, that is also uh, a useful approach. Yeah, Calipari said that they had played 24 minutes the way I need them to play. He said the main issue with his team right now is they don't have uh, the discipline to play 40 minutes, and that's something – that you know, when you're looking at the grand scheme of things, it's kind of a little bit alarming in the sense that they have some vets and they have Reed Travis, who is a grad transfer and has played a lot of college basketball. You would imagine PJ Washington, Reed Travis, Quade Green, Nick Richards. In theory, those quote unquote veterans would have what it takes to play 40 minutes of focus, but but they don't have it. And you know, to your point, Kyle, about the bigs, you know, Calipari also mentioned the fact that. He was kind of getting worried that he can't play Reed and PJ together because neither of them are blocking any shots. And he said at one point during his postgame comments that basically, you know, if those guys, if neither of those guys can block shots and, you know, be a rim protector, I'm going to have to have either EJ or Nick on the floor at all times. And for a lineup that many people thought would start, you know, PJ Washington. As Calipari said, I think it was actually on his um, post-game radio comments that he's, you know, or maybe it was a presser, I don't know. I heard a lot of Calipari today. You know, but he's 6'8", six, six, with a 7'3 wingspan. He's He should be fully capable of blocking some shots, specifically against opponents like they were playing today. Yeah, and I think some of that may be an approach, you know. I think PJ has made it a point of wanting to show, you know, people at the next level that he can be a versatile guy who plays away from the basket and be a perimeter defender and a perimeter perimeter offensive threat. Um, but yeah, they need him to, they need him to also, you know, really embrace the parts of his game that are, you know, a, basically a small ball center. I, yeah. I honestly think that's what, you know, his hope is at the next level. I mean, people have mentioned Draymond Green and he's not Draymond Green. Your boy Seth Greenberg uh, is the one who's beating that drum. And then he gets mad when people say that he says that. Yeah, I mean, he and he has said it, but I mean, that's who he should aspire to be. I agree with him on that. Just not um, kicking people in the nuts. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> correct, correct. Uh, yes, can we say that? 
I guess we can. Oh, um, nuts. Nuts. Uh, let's talk about ball movement. Um, <laughs> well, that's, I, uh, a, that's a good transition <laughs> right there. I mean, uh, Draymond, Green's I mean called, though, Draymond Green has called yeah. some ball, ball movement during his uh, career. He has caused, he has caused <laughs> some, some ball movement. The, the Warriors are known for their ball movement. And maybe Draymond <laughs> Green has a lot to do with that. But, to, but, but really, to use that as a transition... We talked. We focused a lot on defense, but I, I thought today, while still alarming on the three-point defense, was their most encouraging offensive day by far of the yeah. season. And I tell you what, Kyle, um, we're gonna uh, know, we'll get to that in a second. But I do need to tell the people about Sling TV. You don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And I've been telling you guys about Sling TV for a long time. Listen, I got it, and here's why you should. Get Sling TV too. Are you sick of paying for 20 channels you never use because you just want to see some of the games? Sling TV is the best way to watch all kinds of sports. College football, college basketball, NBA basketball, NHL if you're into that, all that stuff. 30 bucks a month gets you ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and more. Stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and as I always mention, you can upgrade or downgrade your package depending on what you're viewing at that time. Plus, you can cancel at any time. Right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's sling.com slash locked on. It's a free trial. you got nothing to lose. This is Locked On Kentucky. Your team every day. Okay, Kyle. So offensively, we were talking about ball movement there, and I thought the most kind of shocking thing that we saw, and apparently it shocked John Calipari as well, was Tyler Hero getting seven assists. That was that was something I had never anticipated happening in a game, to be honest. Yeah, and then you know, it opened. I think it maybe freed his mind up. Focusing on that that aspect a little bit, freed his mind up to just you know, let it fly, making some shots. I know they've worked a ton with him on catch and shoot. I think this was all kind of tied together. What do you, with 15 points, I think, 15 and seven assists. Yeah. Uh, one turnover, hit three threes uh, today. Yeah, three um, of eight. Missed his, missed his first couple really badly and then shot it great the rest of the way with pull-ups and layups and, uh, like I said, three three-pointers. But, you know, the thing with him has been in high school – and, you know, as is often the case, he's the best player on his high school team, so the coach puts the ball in his hands. So all of his shots were coming off him initiating things. He's dribbling around, finding his shot, pulling up and, and, and shooting it. And he's also facing, you know, no offense to Wisconsin high school basketball competition, but I'm assuming he's not facing the same caliber of guys uh, trying to, to defend him and alter him and, and block his shots as he is now in college. And he could afford to wind up and take his time, shoot from the hip. Well, that doesn't work now, and and now he's not starting things with the ball in his hand. They're they're wanting his role on this team is to to catch and shoot, you know, to to sit in corners and on the wings and you know wait for the dribble to 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 free up uh, him as an open man and and catch it and and pull the trigger. And it's not something that he as good a shooter as he is. It's not that that way of shooting is not what's been natural to him. He was a guy who had the ball in his hand as he decided whether to shoot. Um, and so they've been working a lot with him on that. I think it's it's gotten a lot better today was the best he's looked shooting the ball since the Bahamas. 
Um, but in, in the other piece of that is I think also because of today's approach, which was oftentimes he was getting the ball and then he was initiating some offense. He was catching the ball in the wing, driving and either driving to pull up or driving to draw the defense and then dishing it off to someone else. He was making really good, smart passes. Uh, and I think it just, I think it felt more comfortable and familiar to him today to have the ball in his hands and be making plays, even if a lot of them weren't his own shots. And because of that, I think it made him in those other instances when he had the chance to catch and shoot, I think his mind was freed up a little bit and uh, he just played an overall much, much better, uh, more efficient game today than we've seen him play. Really. He did uh, take a, take a nasty tumble in the game and was actually had to take, go back to the locker room to get checked out. And he told everybody in the post game that he was, it's kind of seemed like it, it scared him more than actually hurt him to a certain extent because he had torn his meniscus in high school. And he thought for a second that he had done it again. Uh, luckily, of course, he came back in the second half and, and played more minutes. And he said after the game, Kyle, that he was, he was fine. Correct. Yeah. He said he, uh, hyperextended it basically, but, you know, you could tell he immediately went down, had this sort of pained and panicked look on his face and with both hands was clutching that left knee. Um, and, yeah, after the game he said he had torn that meniscus before and it, and, and it felt like to him in that very moment because of how painful it was, the hyperextension, that he had torn it again. And I'm sure he just said, you know, saw his season flash before his eyes. So that, that would have been very bad for him. I think it would have been very bad for Kentucky because I do think he's a guy who's – going to get more and more and more comfortable and he is a really gifted scorer and he's going to be very valuable if, if they're going to evolve as an offense and become a, a lethal um, offense he's got to be a big part of it I think yeah the only well, I, sh- I shouldn't say only but a negative from the offensive perspective in the game was the fact that they turned it over a ton um, they ended up with 19 turnovers I believe and John Calipari said that a lot of it uh, was the fact that they had a ton of offensive fouls. It was kind of a crazy amount. I I, I didn't I couldn't fully interpret if he meant um, that he was disagreeing with some of the calls because he was making some motions and he said, well, when they're grabbing you and you try to get them off of you and then you get called for an offensive fouls. I mean, I guess the way I understand it, some of the rules of emphasis are trying to clean up some of that contact down low before post position gets fully set. And I, uh, they were making it clear today that that's what they were trying to do. Uh, did you think the offensive fouls were an issue? Are they going to be an issue going forward? No, I think it was just, there was, it was a pretty quick whistle. Uh, you know, I think hero had one or two where he, he hit a guy with a forearm kind of shove the old, uh, um, little, little handoff moving screen. That a lot of teams love to do, and they they, they were they were actually that was a both way thing because they gave Winthrop a couple of those. They're trying to clean that up as well, I think, in the game where you where you hand it off and then you kind of move and you get in the way of the defender. That's not a legal play, and yeah. they're starting to call it a little bit more. Yeah, well, I mean, you can you can do a you can do a a, a dribble handoff and, and set a screen, uh, but I, I think you, you're not allowed to do it all in one motion. But I, uh, yeah, I mean. I, uh, there was nothing particularly alarming about that today. I thought they did so many other things well offensively that the, the turnovers really didn't even jump out at me other than I'd seeing the number. And if I'm, I believe there were like maybe 11 in the first half. There were quite a few. In the uh, first there half. were a bunch. I think most were in the first half, but uh, on the offensive end, I took a lot more uh, sort of positive away from that. 
Um, PJ Washington was really, really good again, just overall. Uh, he did have, I think, a little rash of turnovers, but um, was it uh, 18 points, 11 rebounds, four assists, and three steals, I think? Um, and, you know, in pretty efficient amount of time, I think less than 25 minutes. That, that, that's three straight really good games for him. I mean, that's a, I would, you know, and I didn't go look at this, but I'm almost certain it's the best three three game stretch. Uh, of P.J. Washington's, you know, one year and five game college career, uh, 25 and seven the other night, uh, then uh, 18, uh, 19 points and 18 rebounds uh, in the last game. And, and now another big game, another double double uh, tonight. And in, in all but one of those games, he didn't play heavy, heavy minutes. So yep. he's being really efficient. But it's funny. Cal Perry said, I want more. Uh, you know, he can be one of those separators. He can be one of the best players in the country. But, you know, he got another double-double, but I want even more. And uh, talking to PJ after, he kind of laughed. Like, he said he wasn't surprised. That's, you know, good coaches are always trying to get just a little bit extra out of you. Uh, and Jerry and I, Jerry Tipton and I, were kind of pushing him on, like, what what could you do? What would you do? Uh, what would you be able to do that would uh, have Cal come in the postgame and say, you've done enough. And he's like, I'm not sure I've figured that out yet. Uh, probably nothing. Uh, but, you know, I think he, he gets what Cal's saying, which is you're playing great, but like take it up even another notch because I think Cal believes, I mean, I, I think Cal at least uh, in the, in mindset is sort of in, in the frame of mind about PJ Washington that I was when he announced he was coming back and I'm SEC player of the know, year came on, came on and said, yeah, like, I think he could be the SEC player of the year. Um, then he laid an egg in the Duke game. A big old stinky egg. The, uh, yes, a rotten egg. Uh, <laughs> fouled out with like eight points. Why did you sound British when um, you just said rotten egg? That was weird. Rotten. A rotten egg. I don't know. I, not, I felt like I needed to enunciate the T's there. <laughs> but he's. Uh, I, I think he's back on that track, I guess, just to sum that up. Like, I think P.J. Washington is their best player right now and he's back on that on that uh trajectory where he's you know one of the best players in the league all right coming up next we're gonna do some more recruiting talk so stay tuned for that and by the way it's negative you are locked on kentucky part of the locked on podcast network so kyle i don't know if you saw this another big man made some recruiting announcements today in the 2019 class it was vernon carey he came out with his top three they were Duke, North Carolina, and Michigan State. That's right, he cut Kentucky. So, if you missed it, the po the podcast before this one, we talked to Ben Roberts about recruiting, and I'm pretty sure we basically said that Kentucky wasn't, wasn't in a great spot with Vernon Carey, and that came true. So, if you want a little bit more about in-depth recruiting talk, go listen to the podcast for this. But, Kyle, are you, I mean, you couldn't be surprised that he cut Kentucky from his list. Not very, no, not very surprised. Um, it's been sort of trending that way for a while. I think they're going to probably won't be maybe within the next week they'll be out of the race for Isaiah Stewart as well. I think he was taking his visit to Duke this coming week, I believe, I guess whenever Duke gets back from Maui. Uh, and then he'll make his decision and uh, or at least trim his list. I don't know if he's – I guess he's, it's too late to, to sign in the early period, but 
you know, I think within the next week they could be out of it for the top three big men and yep. three of the top five overall players in the class. And that means they've pretty much struck out in terms of true big men. You know, they would still be in it for Jaden McDaniels. But, again, he's a, a 6'10 Kevin Durant guy. You know, he's a wing, 185-pound string bean uh, who's going to play on the on the perimeter. Not a post player. Nope. Um, and Matthew Hurt, who's, you know, 6'9", 205 or something and, and is really a stretch four. Barring a graduate transfer, they will not be adding any uh, intimidating physical presence in the paint. So – that's a problem, you know, yes. I mean, and, and we that talked is. about it yesterday yeah, on, no. on the last podcast and I wrote about it, um, in sort of an analysis of the Wiseman decision. Um, people, yeah, Kentucky fans should panic. And, and if they don't want to panic because of the top five thing, they haven't, they're going to go four straight years without a top five player and seven straight years without the number one player panic because you don't have any big men for next year. Mm -hmm. Yes, you should panic. I mean, you, you need some big men because, PJ and Reed are gone. That's I would bet my house on. Well, definitely, I definitely bet my house on Reed Travis not being back at Kentucky next season. Solid, bet. but probably PJ Washington too. And then I think it's a pretty good chance that one at least of PJ Montgomery and Nick Richards are also gone, if not both. Yep. And if both, I mean they are hosed. Five guard lineup. <laughs> they are hosed. Five guard lineup. They they would. Yeah, I mean, I th yeah, and I think they, I think they should, I think they should really consider playing a small ball way, regardless of what happens. And this may just force Calipari's hand. I mean, he may just not have a choice. No, uh, you know, I read, I read something uh, the other night about you know trying to solve Kentucky's ills uh, through my own research, figure out like what's the way forward. And you know, I was reading about Jay Wright and Villanova and how they came to play sort of the way they do, kind of almost the, the college warriors approach, uh, four, four out and five out and uh, spread the floor and everybody on the floor can handle it and pass it and shoot threes, including the big man last year, Amari Spellman. Um, and it was, it was in a different way, like so many innovations or, or changes, it was uh, of necessity. Uh, they had a guy, a big man, tear his ACL before a huge NCAA tournament game several years ago, and they went four guards. And it worked. And then the same guy before the next season tore his ACL again, and they had no choice but to do it for the entire season. And it worked. And that evolved to the point, you know, it was truly a four-guard lineup for them, and that evolved to uh, just playing with four guys of, of various sizes, even your big men, looking for guys who can handle it and shoot it. And that's modern basketball, and we've talked a little bit about yeah, that Yeah, and you know, you, know, you know, speaking of modern basketball and shooters and all that, Kyle, there is a shooter – that is in the 2019 class that mentioned Kentucky. He said he recently transferred to a new high school in Ohio, and he said that he hopes to play college basketball at a top school like North Carolina, Duke, Kansas, Michigan State, or Kentucky. And then today on social media via the Instagram story, he marked himself in Lexington, Kentucky. Do you know who that person is, Kyle? Is it the new number one player in the class? It is not. Oh, <laughs> it is who Lamelo Ball? No way! How did I miss that? I don't know. I it's saw on... people tweeting at me about uh, <laughs> people tweeting at me about Lamelo Ball. He uh, Instagram story what? has the location of Lexington, Kentucky. I have been scouring all social media apps that I have on my phone. I can't have 
I don't have any other information on what's going on there. I was reading some stories about the fact that the Ball family thinks he will be able to play college basketball because even though he signed the contract with um, the Lithuanian team, he never accepted any money. He also had contact with an agent, but the new rules, they think that they're going to be able to kind of get in on those because contact with agents are now allowed, even though I guess you know technically they were before, but that's neither here nor there. So the Ball family thinks that they can get into college. A lot of people on no, my timeline. No, thank line. you. If I, I mean, I mean if, I'm, if I'm John Calipari, that is a hard no. You are that wrong. That is not the answer to you your are, problem. So well, you know whose answer it is? It's, this, is, this is gold. This is talk show gold. This is podcast gold. This is radio gold. The Ball family, LeVar Ball, never lost, coming on every sports show in Lexington, just showing out, having a great time, pulling up one step inside half court and draining some trays with his crazy hair. Lonzo rolling through in the summer, bringing a bunch of other people, you know, coming back. Lonzo Ball plays well in Lexington. Just look back what he did at Rupp Arena when they got beat, uh, when Kentucky got beat by UCLA. I'm all in on the balls. Oh, Curtis, so much, so much inappropriate to talk to you today. Ball uh, in the family. I, I, I feel very, I, I feel very uncomfortable. Uh, I say no balls. I, I, I just, I. Well, there's only one I left that, talk, that could play college. <laughs> I get to talk radio thing and the, the, you know, make yourself the talk of the town. And maybe Cal needs some new juice, you know, like maybe yes. he thinks that that hey, would listen, give okay. him some, some recruiting juice. But does anybody want to play with that kid? I don't know. He's playing with I that 7'7 that seven seven kid up in Ohio. Oh, gosh. It's like a, are, they, are they a circus or a basketball team? Um, I, why uh, can't they be just, both? Yeah, I, I no, thank you. I know you're – I think you're mostly tongue-in-cheek here, but – it, that would certainly not be. It might be the secret to like getting back some uh, mojo and some uh, stealing back some headlines, but I don't think it's the kind of the kind of sideshow you need to get back to like contending for a championship. I don't know, but that's wild. I I wonder if he just like drove down and demanded to be let in the arena, or if, or if he was just. And, it would be the ultimate move if. You know, like I said, he's playing for that prep school. I think I'm 99% sure it's up in Ohio. If they were just driving through to some tournament in Tennessee, and as he's uh, rolling through the <laughs> interstate, he just geotagged it there just to like get everybody talking. That'd be pretty awesome because uh, playing a uh, playing a playing a scrimmage with Lexington Christian or whatever, <laughs> Lexington Catholic, whatever yeah. one of those academies. Yeah, so uh, I don't know. Yeah. We'll have to we'll keep an eye on it. It's it's kind of interesting. Um, so. Stay tuned for all that. Um, on the next edition of this podcast, we're going to be talking to Eric Crawford about the Kentucky-Louisville football game. We'll have a full breakdown of that. Until then, be sure to be following along on social media. On Twitter, we are at LockedOnUK. On Facebook, just search Locked On Kentucky. You can follow Kyle at... Kyle Tucker underscore A-T-H. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. However, and wherever you're listening to this, please rate, review, subscribe, and then most importantly, share it with somebody else who would enjoy this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Curtis, wait a minute. What? Wait, don't sign off. You okay. haven't told you haven't told our, our listeners happy Thanksgiving. Oh yeah, it's Thanksgiving.
<laughs> we we got all the way through this thing and we have it like i mean oscar woodall will be outraged at our lack of acknowledgement of and john long our lack of acknowledgement of a major holiday uh, i think you're supposed to announce the beginning of all <clears throat> all media related functions by by addressing the holiday well i'm wearing a it's turkey thanksgiving we'll, we'll go back and cut this into the intro no we curtis won't. didn't no we and before won't. you before no, you won't. turn us off happy thanksgiving Enjoy your turkey. Dressing is the best side dish. Well, that's actually true. So we'll end it on a positive a positive note that you and I both agree on. Happy Thanksgiving. Hopefully, as John Calipari said, you get to spend it with family and friends. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Kentucky. We'll talk to you soon. You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Set my recliner to watch some basketball and passed out. Well, Virginia came on, so maybe that did it. Yeah, that's the game I have on, actually. See? Dan Dockich on mute. <laughs>